The Athletic. In 2024, Everton will likely begin playing in their new 52,000-seater stadium at Bramley Moor Dock on the River Mersey. Promises to transform the club's future and also be a source of great civic rejuvenation. But Bramley Moor Dock, and indeed the man after whom it was named, have a troubling past. Our Merseyside football reporter, Simon Hughes, along with editor Dan Barnes and author Jimmy Jagney, who contributed to the piece, all join us for this one. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. The word is, is opportunity. Everton are probably unfortunate that they're inheritors of a history that hasn't been written. That's not their fault as a, as a football club. I think with that inheritance comes huge responsibility. If everybody sits on their hands and doesn't show response, that the conclusion to be drawn from that is it doesn't matter. That's my biggest fear. There are schools, businesses, tower blocks, pubs, all bearing his name. This could be a really uncomfortable 40 minutes to listen to because there is a lot of uncomfortable truth here. You, you, Simon, take take me through the recent history with this story. Okay, so Everton are moving into a new 52,000-seater stadium uh, in the Bramley Moor Dock, which is a mile or two north of Liverpool City Centre. It's named after John Bramley Moor, who was a previous Lord Mayor of Liverpool. He got the dock site after making a very important decision in Liverpool's history. Uh, as a city, uh, which related to the northward extension of the dock. Um, that really set Liverpool up as a city for the next 100 years and allowed it to trade freely with the rest of the British Empire. His history, despite this, uh, is, is largely sort of laid hidden, really. He's a pretty shadowy sort of character. And part of that relates, or a big, big chunk of that relates to his time in Brazil where he he was a slave trader. Now, that sort of basic information, I would say, is known, you know, within Liverpool. But things started to change a couple of years ago in 2021 when Dr. Joe Mulhern from, from Durham University wrote an article, a very in-depth article about John Bromley Moore and his, and his history in Brazil, where it really outlines his, his links to the slave trade and slavery and how he benefited from it. And this prompted a great deal of discussion amongst Evertonians online. And how you know the you know a lot of suggestions about how the club should should deal with this, so that explains really why why I decided to to to, to look into it and try and take the story a bit further to try and to try and establish you know the sort of the, the modern day links and how I suppose the three ways of looking at it really of of who the man was, um, Liverpool's relationship with race now and and what Everton uh, planning to do about it. Dan, uh, you know, having read the article. Uh, as well, there's there's so much stuff that comes out of it, and as Simon has alluded to here, this is this is not an issue that is unique to Liverpool. It, it is an issue that confronts a lot of cities uh, in the UK, a lot a lot of port cities actually, a lot of coastal cities. Absolutely, and I mean it's not. Um... 
we're viewing this through the prism of Everton Football Club, but this is clearly a story with much sort of wider ranging implications than that. It's it takes in uh, even to John the example of John Bramley Moore. It takes in slave trade across the Atlantic and in Brazil, but it also is very much a story of imperialism and colonialism and just how the history of the slave trade and the history of industry dating back to the 1800s in the United Kingdom, the that kind of dark history and history that we probably ignore is actually hiding in plain sight wherever you look. Um, and it also brings you and, and sort of gives you some sort of quite compelling thoughts about just what's in a name and how how we confront our own history as well. Um, Jimmy, let me bring you in here. I mean, you've, you've written a book about how various sections of Liverpool's black community have been confronted by persistent racism over the 20th century. How aware were you of, of this aspect of um, John Bramley Moore's story? To be perfectly honest, um, I, I've, I've never even heard of the guy before. Um, which is really interesting given the impact that he's had on the city and the docks in particular. You know, being a young person growing up in Toxters at the time that I did during the 1970s and 80s, sounds like a strange thing to say, but conversations about imperialism and slavery and particularly about remarkable people such as Gladstone and Huskerson and people like this who, who, who had forged links with the slave trade or were actually slave traders themselves were part of our conversation growing up as young people. You know, we were very kind of politically conscious as kids growing up in toxic, you know, and, and, and having to confront racism. So it wasn't an unusual experience for us. And so being a being at the age of 58 that I am now and never having heard of John Bramley Moore before was quite strange. And, and so when Simon, you know, um, suggests that there's something unusual about that in the sense that, you know, what happened to that history? How come it's not broadly broadcast? You know, how come we don't know anything about it? Perhaps it has been hidden. Perhaps it is something that, you know, has, has, counted, has been count, run counter so much of the interests of the city that it's not been within certain people's interests or, or certain institutions' interests to share that history with us more broadly. So is there a suggestion there then, Jimmy, that... that 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 is deliberate it, it, it's it's kind of a reverse logic if 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 Bramley Moore was such a pivotal figure okay like say Gladstone was we know all about Gladstone it's not hard to find out about him if you pick up the book nearest to you well if he's such a great guy and he's not being celebrated then there must be a reason why his history has been ignored and it's hard to think why that would happen unless it was a suppressed history of some sort. Uh, I mean, Simon, you wrote in the article, um, without men like Bramley Moore, Liverpool would not be where it is now. Both Merseyside clubs may simply not exist. And you went on to say, though it cannot and should not recognise his contribution towards the city's growth in any proud way, it should still be able to tell it. Which actually backs up Jimmy's point, really, in that this has not been told, this story. Yeah, and there are a variety of reasons for that. Um, if you dig into John Bramley Moore's history, you find that he wasn't a wealthy man. He wasn't born into nobility. He went out to Brazil in 1828 looking to seek his fortune. And over the course of seven years, built up one of the biggest merchant houses in Brazil. That was possible through... <laughs> direct and indirect links to the slave trade. 
He returned to Liverpool, which at the time was a major port, a port that had links to the slave trade as, as well through the, the people that Jimmy mentioned then. And because of his wealth, he was able to, to sort of work his way into the establishment pretty quickly in Liverpool. Uh, and one of the key moments is, is he, he actually changed his name from John Moore, as he was known in, in Brazil, to John Bramley Moore. Now, there are a couple of theories around this, why, why he did that. Obviously, the most obvious one is, is to escape his past. And then, you know, I, I suppose a man of relatively modest background, he, th- this isn't actually in, 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 the, in the ask because I thought it stretched a bit too far away from the, the, some of the points that he was making, but there are records of him sort of showing his, uh, it's, it's a separate issue, but his class, you know, he was had, had big hang-ups about the fact that he wasn't from the, 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 the money's elite. Um, and this was a way of him being able to, sh- to, to sort of suggest to people that, you know, he was from a different background and it was ultimately going to be good for business for him, which it was. And he ends up becoming the Lord Mayor of Liverpool. Uh, he, he achieved that by some of his decisions as the chairman of the Merseyside uh, Docks and Harbour Boards. He was the head of the Brazilian Chamber of Commerce. And even after um, slavery and the slave trade was outlawed, there were various links to to the sort of the even darker trade that it became then. There was an instance where one of his ships that was sent off to Brazil was chartered by slave traders and captured off the coast of Sierra Leone. So there, there were lots of links to, to between him and the slave trade. I think ultimately the reason why he hasn't been written about is because I, I guess, you know, somebody like Gladstone and the Gladstone family hang over Liverpool's history because of how high they went. Obviously, uh, one of them becoming the Prime Minister of England. That's such a, a major thing. But the, the, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really sort of long and detailed story. I just hope that people read the article and sort of take something from it because you, you could probably write a, a whole book about it. Well, yes. Yeah, maybe you could, Simon, because there is, there is so much to it and there are so many layers to it. And, and I wonder whether, Dan... And so, on the one hand, it seems trite to bring it back to a football stadium, but that's partly why we're doing that. Why we're doing this podcast, but there have to be more positives that come out of this than negatives, don't there? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. I think, I think it's important that when we face up to history like this, that we also face up to it and understand it properly in order to educate people about it. That's one of the major things. And one of the things that has the most legacy, because this this isn't going to change. You know, the legacy of John Bramley Moore is going to be there. And obviously the home of Everton, which is such a... Everton's new stadium is such a monumental moment for that football club. You know, like any new stadium is for anyone. And, you know, they're building it on a dock and it's going to be huge. They're going to, you know, they're going to hope that it transforms them as a football club. They're going to hope that it transforms the area. They're going to hope that it creates jobs and it creates another sort of bustling kind of area of tourism for for the city but um it's important that they don't you know it's just important that they don't shy away from this that they kind of incorporate what's happened and you know it'd be lovely to see the club you know do some things to to even whether whether it's potentially i don't know installations within the stadium that actually chart the history of of the man that the area is named after because yeah the like i said these kind of histories are sort of everywhere in different parts of the country and 
it's it's very British to sort of just go, oh, you know, well, nothing to do with me that, or oh, you know, that didn't that didn't really happen, and just you know, avoid educating people, avoid avoid talking about it. But yeah, the more we talk about things like this, the easier it is to sort of reconcile with. You know, the slave trade happened, of course it did, and it's uh, slavery was a. <laughs> I couldn't even begin to have the words to say what an evil thing it is but it happens so it's important that we recognize that and don't just stick two fingers in our ears and ignore it i mean you mentioned yourself mark and and and, and i'd just like to build on on the point on the great points that daniel's just made and um, you said yourself that um this is more than just about a football club and a football stadium you're absolutely right to say that the implications of this fine are enormous you know Bear in mind, right, we had this, another seismic story that broke out only two, three years ago, the, the killing of George Floyd. And we all know what's happened even in this country since then. There is an overwhelming atmosphere of, um, you know, something wrong with, you know, with this whole business of race and how and how society, you know, relates to those particular issues. And, you know, it's something that we've gotten wrapped up in as a country and as a city, you know, and, and, and as a world. And, and I think, you know, it's, it, it's become even more important to seize the opportunity to discuss histories like this and what they should mean to us as, as, as a people who live together. You know, um, obviously one of the things that's burning as an issue is how far should we go with educating people on the histories of people of colour, people who don't run with the mainstream, who don't run with the majority of society, you know, um, and, and this and this particular story is not only typical of the sorts of stories that we and histories that we should be discussing so that we can learn more about, you know, where our issues come from, the point of origin, but also in terms of cracking open, you know, that whole issue of, you know, well, how useful can this possibly be to us as a society? You know, wh why should we be taking this into our schools and our colleges? Why is it that the, the parents of children should become concerned about learning about something that happened in Africa and the Caribbean two, three hundred years ago? It, it becomes more relevant when you can see how something, you know, a, a, about a guy who lived so long ago can impact on the development of an everyday thing like a football stadium today. The, 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 the thing for me is, as far as Everton goes, they shouldn't really be seeing this as a controversial moment or something that's potentially embarrassing. I think they should be seeing this as a wonderful opportunity to be part of the start of something great in Liverpool. You know, Liverpool people typically don't know that we had a slave trade in the past. You know, it's ironic because when we get the visits of the, of the tall ships, you know, each summer, you know, people have got are, are flocking down to the, you know, to the riverside in, in massive, massive numbers. And far away from their man is the idea, you know, that many of the ships that used to come into the harbour, you know, were carrying, you know, people from Africa to, you know, to become slaves in the Caribbean. You know, they, they're thinking of all these wonderful things like, you know, um, expedition and, you know, um, exploring, you know, uncharted corners of the world and, you know, bringing wonderful things, you know, you know, like sugar and, and all the rest of it, to, you know, to these shores for people to enjoy a great life. And obviously there's a truth to, to many of those things. But the thing that made Liverpool as great as it is today is the profits that were made from slave trade and industry. And this is something that people just aren't aware of. So in many different respects, you know, this is an incredibly special moment. It's an incredibly special opportunity and story. It is. And, and to sort of 
to follow your logic, because there will be a huge debate here, Jimmy, won't they? If 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 Everton don't get a stadium sponsor, okay. If it if they if it's not called Google Park or whatever, and it is called, you know, Bramley is Bramley Moor Stadium for the for the time being, because that is the location of where it is. I follow your brilliant last answer and I go, okay. Sorry, Simon, go on. Mark, yeah, I, I should say that Everton have um have rebranded it at the moment as as the Everton Stadium. Right, okay. There's, 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 a, there's a danger that locally people aren't going to call it the Everton Stadium because I don't think I just don't think that'll happen. Mm. I think I mean I, I've been as guilty as anyone for the last sort of ten years as this story has developed around Everton and the site of referring to it quite simply as oh the Bramley Moor site or Bramley Moor this Bramley Moor that. So I, I, you are right as long as this it, the longer it goes on without a stadium name, it will be referred to officially the Everton Stadium. But there is a danger. There is a danger that, that locally people do refer to it by the Bramley Moor name, but, but, I would say. But this is kind of what I want to delve into, really, because is that a danger, Jimmy? This is what I this is what I'm trying to understand from this situation. Is it a danger? Or by it being the Bramley Moor project or the Bramley Moor Stadium project, it then takes you down a historical lesson, which you have just started there briefly, but actually could give I don't know, primary and secondary school children, virtually two months of historical lessons there. If I follow who this man was, what, what these tall ships were, what they brought, how Liverpool was built on, on this, etc., etc. Yeah, and the ramifications go on and on. You're absolutely right to say that. Um, I agree completely. So do um, we keep calling it the... Bra- this is, it's so difficult. The main, the main thing, right, is for people not to be scared, first of all, of the fact that Bramley Moore existed and there is a history to him and that it impacts on what people do today. That's the first thing that people should understand. There's no need to be scared of this situation. You know, it requires a mature perspective and, and, and that comes about through conversation and discussion. Um, people may feel, very, you know, you know, to various to varying degrees that you know it's important to have education on it in schools or not, you know. But the the fact that the conversation happens is is a great start because that's not what usually happens. I, I think Simon's right to say that the, you know there is a fear, you know, that people can refer refer to it as the Bramley Moor Stadium. But there's, also, but there's also another possibility as well. This is a story now and people are aware of it, okay? So Everton's reaction, but also our reaction as a city is important as well. You know, I have no doubt the mayor's office, for example, are aware of this story. I have no doubt that many of the, the local authorities are aware of it as a story. If everybody sits on their hands and doesn't show response, then the, the conclusion to be drawn from that is it doesn't matter. It's not important. Why respond at all? That's my biggest fear, um, regardless of what people care to choose to call the stadium or not. Um, although Simon's quite right to make the point, it would be tragic if this guy was to become some kind of local colloquial expression for the place, you know, because <laughs> that, that's like bandying around with the N-word, isn't it? You know, it, it, it amounts mm. to the same thing. It trivialises a racist moment in history um, and that we don't want either. You know, so... I, I can't help thinking that we've reached a point already in this in this ongoing story where something constructive has to come out of it. And 
depending on who you are, you feel washing your hands clean of the whole thing, then you have contributed to it in some way. And it's not only Everton now, it's the authorities and it's us as readers of this story. We all have a responsibility. You know, with the World Cup in Qatar and obviously what's happened with Newcastle and stuff, there are an awful lot of discussions and briefings going on about how we cover a World Cup in Qatar and so on and so forth. And one of the interesting things that I've been listening to in a, in a discussion with, with Amnesty International, for example, is that sports washing, which is going down a slightly different subject, but sports washing only becomes sports washing if you don't talk about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in a in a football sense as well. I mean, if you put it this way, if you're an Everton supporter, right in in 2022, um, the what the stadium's called is probably none of your business. You have no say in that. What the brand, what the dock uh, is named after, you have no say in that. So you're you you know it's, it, you don't get to choose these kind of things. Um, so therefore. But as you say, if you don't talk about it, then you just and, and try and sort of, uh, you know, bury your head in the sand and ignore it, then you're kind of just enabling this thing to to sort of be buried, basically. Um, it's 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 about recognition. If you don't if you recognize it, then you kind of play your part in making sure that people are aware of it. And I think it's really important what Jimmy said. There's no need to be scared of talking about this kind of thing it's a it's a problem that uh, and something that happens everywhere i mean one important sort of example that i wanted to bring up is to just show that you know this is this is far from a liverpool problem of course it's uh when um jimmy spoke about obviously the death of george of george floyd and obviously the uh anti-racism process uh, that took place in this country as in the wake of that uh bristol a city i've been to quite a lot um the statue of edward colston was famously pushed into the river um by some protesters now there are, I think I read there are around 20 different things named after Edward Colston, who was uh, someone who brought sort of the slave trade to that part of the world. Um, Bristol, again, being a place quite near the sea. Um, there are schools, businesses, tower blocks, pubs, all bearing his name. And it, obviously it took something, a moment where, as a society, people were trying to stand up against systematic killing of black people and trying to show sort of some pride in their in their racial identity to to actually kind of take a look at these kind of things whereas that statue and his name stood for i have absolutely no idea how long that stood for but it's there right in front of you so so yeah recognition is the most important thing like nobody is going to we, we can't get in a time machine and prevent the slave trade as much as i'm sure i'm sure plenty of people would do if they could mm. so it's important that we talk about it and it's important that we just recognise it's there. It doesn't. It's not something I have to be scared of. Recognition is probably the most powerful tool in all this. Just, just sort of touching on what both Dan and Jimmy have said, it, the word is is opportunity. I think, um, you know, Ever Everton are probably unfortunate that they're inheritors of a history that hasn't been written. Uh, that's not their fault as, as a football club. They've inherited the land. I think with that inheritance comes res huge responsibility. Uh, Everton as a club have been, you know, very, very good in the Walton area. Um, you know, for Everton in the community has a lot of recognition. Uh, Everton have done that because of their place in Walton. Just because they're now moving to another place where there is no population, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have any history. From what I can tell from listening to people at the club, they are taking it seriously. 
But I just think, as as Jimmy said, I mean, it really made me realise that it, it is an unbelievable opportunity for the club at this point in time to have a real impact, not just on on Everton's reputation as a club, but uh, on the city of Liverpool generally. And I think that they would be foolish to to not embrace that. Um, I'll be really interested to see exactly the extent of, of, of what they do. There's been talk about a museum, various plaques, a heritage trail. I think personally, I think it, it, I'd like to see it go further, but how they do that, I, I'd have to stop and think about it really hard. But it, I think they can send some really, really important messages as a club about this. Simon Everton's fan base are, are in agreement as well here, aren't they? I mean, there's there's always a a... Whenever you, whenever a football club gets is surrounded with something that could be perceived as negative, as as, as you and we're talking about it being an opportunity, but the, the the fan base batten down the hatches to defend the to defend the football club, and well, you know, it's not it's not our fault. What can we do about this? But Everton's fan base have been have been largely in agreement that something does need to be done. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. When when. Uh, Joe Mulhern released his article in 2021. There was a big reaction to it. I've, I've been looking on the sort of on Twitter and various forums, and I mean, there's obviously some people who sort of think, well, why why should we bother um, without without sort of giving reason behind the the thought process? But by and large, most people have thought, you know what, we, we, the, the club should be doing something about this. I think Everton is a club which has changed dramatically over the last. Sort of 30, 40 years, I think, you know, at the start of this month, ahead of a game against Man United, they, they had a banner on the Gladys Street of, of the six most famous or celebrate, most celebrated black players. That would never have happened 30 or 40 years ago. It's, 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 it's safe to say. I think that's a reflection that things have, have come a certain way. But I think Jimmy, Jimmy said this, you know, when we were speaking that Liverpool, this isn't just Everton, but Liverpool generally as a city. It's it's too soon to say it's seen the light, you know that 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 everything that makes everything okay, um, you know that there's been recent examples of of racism at football grounds at Goodison Park at various other grounds. So it does show that, that there is there is obviously a long distance to go, you know. For me, it's it's an open goal for the club. You know they, they've got a, it's that that way the opportunity. It's, it's just an amazing opportunity, I think. And if they embrace it in a in a sensible way, which it sounds like they're going to. Then it could it could have a great impact on Liverpool as a city and and, and leads others to follow. Everton could be leaders in this conversation. Yeah, that and and that's the thing, isn't it, Jimmy? You know, Simon's article talks about there is a there is a, a very big slavery connection to Penny Lane, of course, that then prompted one of one of the the, the Beatles' biggest hits. But you know, Penny Penny Lane in two thousand and twenty two is not a new project. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean. The, <laughs> You have to have a starting point, don't you? And the starting point, the most obvious starting point is the one where you have that moment when you've captured everyone's attention. Um, and this stadium move is certainly that particular moment. Um, I've I just got to say, you know, that, you know, this whole business of struggling against racism, um, it's very easy for people, you know, who are in mainstream society to look at the behavior and, and the attitudes and the expressions of a minority group of people, you know, i.e. 
the black community in our city and say, well, okay, um, you've got a gripe about racism, you've got a gripe about the fact that there was once slavery, you've got a gripe with the fact that there was once, you know, um, colonialism and your insistence that this city was a part of that. But what makes people sit up and listen in this particular respect is when it's people who they themselves respect us and, and look up to. So in, in Liverpool, you can't get more of, 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 of an authority of and, and, and respectful situation than you've got with the football clubs here, okay? And so it's about leading by example from what I can see. If, 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 if all the most eloquent and articulate representatives from my community were to go and stand on the steps of St. George's Hall and make the same statements about you know, let, let's get our heads around the fact that this was a slave trading city, okay? It, it would, in large part, I'm afraid it would probably fall on deaf ears. It, it usually has done. But if you've got the likes of, you know, um, the top people at Everton and Liverpool FC assuming that position, okay, they may be, not be able to articulate the, the, the same argument with the same sense of conviction and the same level of passion as we would, but the simple fact of the matter is their audience are more likely to listen because it's coming from someone who they empathize and relate to and sympathize with, okay? Um, and, and this goes hand in hand with not only it being a new project, but the fact that it's such a marvelous opportunity. I see that everybody gains. Okay, for some people, it, it would be an awkward discussion, but I would argue that that's only to a certain extent because a lot of the people who would find it difficult are ignorant anyway. They don't know much about racism. They don't know much about, you know, black people, periods. They're not used to befriending and, and mixing and socializing and living with black people. So it's awkward because it's it, it takes them to a level of understanding that they're not used to dealing with okay that, that that's unavoidable that's going to happen but people like that i believe or at least many of them would feel encouraged to give it a go because they can see that their friends and their likes and the people who they respect and look up to are engaging in that discussion and so that's when i talk about responsibility this is where i'm coming from i think that everton and liverpool and the likes have to acknowledge the fact that they impact on everyday thinking and everyday culture, how we socialize, how, you know, how we aspire, you know, the things that determine our values and the things that are most important to us in a way that the black community on its own can't do. I want to ask you all, uh, as a sort of conclusion, what, what you'd like to see to happen next here. But fo following on just from your point, Jimmy, so that, because we do all influence things in, in media and, and culture and what we call things and how we do things. And, and actually, we are better, all of us, coming together to make the, the relevant points. So going forward, I do a podcast in two months' time or a radio show in two months' time when I'm talking about Everton's new stadium project. What do I call it? As it stands, it's the Everton Stadium, like, like, like the Tottenham Stadium. Yeah. But, that, but I shouldn't avoid saying Bramley Moor, should I? Because you don't want people to, you want people to be aware yeah. of the history I, I, I think of you, that place. I'm not trying uh, to catch anybody out here. I find it a fascinating, fascinating discussion. If you were going to talk about the, the stadium in that way, so if you're going to call it Bramley Moor or the Bramley Moor Stadium, you have to be prepared to explain why it is called the Bramley Moore Stadium. Um, if you're not, if you're not prepared, then you shouldn't call it that. 
Um, it's as simple as that. And it's as Jimmy said, everyone's got a responsibility here. It's not just um, it's not just the football club. It's a, it's it's the fans who do know who. It's the fans who do read this article. It's the fans who go further and find out a little bit more about the guy, and they've got to tell people about it. And just I I you know I, I do tend to find that some particularly at this moment in time, football supporters uh, are sort of viewed quite dimly. But I'd say that in Liverpool, the self self policing, and um, I would like to think that Evertonians will educate other Evertonians about this. I think that process has started already. But from a media perspective, I think we've all got a responsibility, whether I'm writing or whether you're broadcasting, to to explain who he was and encourage your bosses or editors to to write about it and talk about it. I agree with Simon. I think it's... I don't think we should avoid it. I mean, I don't think... It's difficult because it, it just is such an intrinsic part of uh, of British history. The I can think back to the building of, say, the Emirates, is one, which is one of the sort of major stadium uh, sort of constructions in the in the last decade or so. And you know, there were people there who called it the Ashburton Grove site before it became known as the Emirates due through sponsorship. Um, the history of a place like people hold their football clubs in a very sacred place. You know, it's not your fault if you're a fan who loves that football club that that's the history of the area. That that is just just the way it is. So I don't think that we should shy away from using the term Bramley more at all. But like you said, it's just important that we recognise why that is. And I think going forward, there'll be lots of opportunities for fans and for the football club itself to educate people on that history. You know, we have a Black History Month where we try and Sometimes we dredge up some of the tough things that happen to black people and, and the black experience because sadly that's just part of the experience. But by the same token, we also try and celebrate. And what we have to be with that is unflinching and honest. And that honesty is what will make this important and what will make sure that this does become the opportunity that we've spoken about in the past. You know, in an ideal world, I'd like to think that Evertonians or anyone else might think of choosing a name, given the circumstances and the story that's, that, that's developed. I'd like to think that they could call it anything that celebrates, you know, the fact that we live in a multicultural city. That would be wonderful. That's not going to happen, though. Um, I think we all know that's in here. Um, but, you know, getting down to the issue of this whole business of naming places, in more recent years, one of the issues that's developed in the city is the fact that we've got so many streets and so many buildings named after, you know, um, these guys who once had slave training connections. And the way that that issue has been approached more recently is not so much to change the names of the streets as such, but, you know, uh, William Brownshee, for example, where, where, where the central library is, um, they recently installed a plaque earlier this year, which you know, makes clear that, you know, William Brown had slave trade and connections and that it's worth looking into his history. And there's a website link there that takes you to a, a more detailed biography of what William Brown was about. Um, I think in principle, something like that is fine. Um, it, you know, we're not removing the fact that the guy existed in history. You know, people are still aware that he existed. But of course, there's a means and a ways to find out, you know, exactly, you know, what it was that he did in the past. With this stadium, we're not talking about revisiting a name that the stadium's had for God knows how long. We're talking about giving it a new name. Now, if you name something, you know, even your pet dog, <laughs> there's a certain amount of sentimentality attached to 
the name that you're investing in this thing that you've grown close mm. to, you know. So if if you suddenly name the stadium, you know, after Bramley Moore, then you're setting up a whole scenario, aren't you, of what this guy should mean to us as a set of fans and as a set of owners for the club. I think it would be completely inappropriate to name the stadium Bramley Moore in, or, or even make an allusion to him. You know, it would just be an insult because it, it, it says we value his place in history, OK? There's no getting around that. Where the opportunity rests for Everton is to seize upon the fact that a story has gone out, that the story has been associated with the club and how they exist, OK? And, what these, and the fact that they, they have a decision to make and they seem to have a decision to make. And I think that's where the opportunity is. The fact that they can take hold of the responsibility that goes with the decision and say, hey, this story does matter. It's not something that we do sweep under the rug because for all the reasons that Daniel and Simon are beautifully laid out, there is an awful history to his name. I think if Everton can see this, the way I've just explained it, it's wonderful because they're like saying, well, we're not prepared to let that story go. We're not only not going to name and preserve and enshrine this guy's name in our stadium, we're going to take his name and we're going to put it up high and we're going we're gonna, to you know, reveal all the dirt, all the smudge, everything that goes with this guy's name and condemn it and say, this is not what the future of our city is all about. We're about something completely different. And although we accept that this past happened, we completely, you know, deplore the fact that it did. And, and, and we believe that our city will be better for that. That seems a very, very good place to leave it. A fascinating discussion with all three of you. Thank, thank you very much, uh, Simon, Dan, Jimmy. Thank you. To follow this story and for more important storytelling throughout Black History Month and beyond, subscribe to The Athletic for just a pound a month for the first six months at theathletic.com slash footballpod. And we'll have another episode for you at roughly the same time tomorrow afternoon. Hit subscribe and I'll see you then. The Athletic.